Welcome back to A Place Called Porch. This week I had the opportunity to sit down with Assistant CFO Dominic Cromarty. Dom is from Tallahassee, Florida, and he's been working with the tribe for 11 years now. His positivity and laughter are absolutely infectious, and it really makes him an awesome person to be around. So, Dom, tell us about your background. Like, where where are you from? I don't, you know, I've worked with you for a while now, and I don't really know you on a personal level, you know, for better or worse. And so, um, I'm really interested to know your background. Where did you grow up, and and all of those sorts of things. Yeah, so I'm real family oriented. So I I kind of just come to work. I do my job the best I can. I get back home because. I got a stay-at-home wife with three kids, and we not from this area, so my wife depend on me a lot. So I gotta be her friend, confidant, everything, because we don't have we don't know anybody when we came here. But I'm from Tallahassee, Florida, and um, born and raised there. Uh, I I did get out of Tallahassee a little bit. I went to college in Virginia um, at a small school, Fairham College. I was on a um, a uh, scholarship, but it wasn't a full, it was a partial scholarship there. I spent two years there playing a little football, and it snowed. And I almost got in the worst accident ever driving home on black ice. And I said, yeah, so it's time for me to come on back to Florida because that's where I'm from. So uh, I end up coming back home to Tallahassee. Uh, I finished up at Florida A&M. Uh, I got my bachelor's in accounting from there, uh, master's in accounting, master's in financial management. And from there, you know, I pursued my my CPA. So my goal always, always was to be a professional football player. But, you know, we growing up in the project area, a lot of us have that goal simply because it takes us out of, you know, where we are, you know, and we always thinking about, man, how can I do better for mama, right? In my case, my dad, you know, my mama and daddy split when I was about five, six years old. And then, you know, that split was bad on my dad. When I was younger, I didn't realize how bad it was, how much your mother, how much the woman in a relationship keep things together. They tolerate so much and they give the man multiple opportunities to get things right. And, you know, the man takes that for granted. And then when you lose that, it's like my daddy kind of like lost his foundation. Mm -hmm. So he started, you know, drugs, you know, getting into robbery, things along that line. And so he spent a lot of time in and out of jail. So nonetheless, he wasn't in my life. So you just see how much your mother sacrificing for you. And I have a little brother. And you just see that sacrificing of working two jobs. Um, trying to make it out. You see, you know, you stand in a project, so that's already not the best of situations, but you also see where, you know, some nights there's nothing to eat. You know, sometimes you're going to lose water, but you see how your mama just getting up every day and keep grinding. And uh, so you get that, and from for us in a project, it's like, man, how can I get my mama out of that situation? So I kind of think, you know, the focus automatically becomes to, Okay, what we do every day. Every day we playing football, we playing basketball. And, oh, by the way, if you do that good, you can make millions and millions of dollars. So 
that becomes most of our dream. I say, you know, maybe 90% of our dream in a project is, you know, make it big. Some, some want to play basketball. Some want to play football. In my case, it was football. And, um, you know, God had something different for me. And, you know, that's, that's a tough reality when you want to do something, you dream to do something. For me, I set goals on how I'm going to do it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to train. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And somehow it's just not in God's will. And I'm a big man of faith. Um, so, you know, it took me a little bit to grasp that concept that, you know, maybe this ain't what God wants for me, you know. And uh, But, you know, I always was smart. I got in some trouble, but I was always the guy that said, man, I'm going to do this troublemaking. But I'm gonna be so smart that they're not gonna be able to turn me away, right? Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do the knucklehead stuff. I'm gonna wear gold teeth. I'm gonna have locks. But guess what? They're gonna look at my grades and be like, man, shoot, I gotta make a job, a position for this guy because he's just too smart. <laughs> so I took that approach. So I always, regardless of you know what? I always got grades. Yeah. And I tell people I'm not the smartest guy, but when I come to class, I'm going to sit in the front of the class, regardless of what people might say. And I'm going to ask all the questions. Mm-hmm. So when I ask all the questions, I'm going to take good notes and I can make a BRA. Mm-hmm. All I got to do is study from there. That's right? right. And uh, I always knew I wasn't a guy that was not going to be able to study and still make A's. But I always knew I didn't want to be a statistic. Statistic and where we come from is the black guy that ends up, you know, in jail or dead and, you know, and you just become another number. Mm -hmm. So I knew I didn't want that one because, you know, I always want better for myself, too, because that's what my daddy was doing. Mm -hmm. And I always say I didn't want to be like my daddy because. What I saw of him and what he was doing to my mama, and my mama was my most important thing. The most important thing to me was my mama. So I'm like, man, you hurting her, mm-hmm. and you putting her through this, and you doing it because you drinking or you on drugs. So I can't do that. I got to be better than you, right? So you're from the minority community, just like you know, just like the Native American community. You know, and that is like the biggest connection here. And I, I just thank God that he that he allowed my path to cross with porch because when I hear the porch stories, the minority, the being judged, the being discriminated on, the being talked about because of your color, I can relate to that. I'm not tribal, but as a black man in America, I can relate to all the struggles that, you know, the tribe goes through. And unfortunately, though, you know, we still going through them. You know, it, it wasn't anything, any supplemental anything for us. We 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 take it and we learn from it. We grow from it and mm-hmm. we just live with it. You know, I come into a room knowing that I'm probably, you know, the only black man in the room. But the Lord has me prepared and I just, you know, I do what he put me here to do mm-hmm. and I just keep it moving. You have to, right? I mean, sometimes I th- and I think that gives you an important perspective, too, because if you think about it, Dom, um, you know, everybody and I won't say everybody. Let me caveat by saying there are a lot of people that walk into the room and they're like, I'm the only woman in the room. Or, mm-hmm. I'm the youngest person in the mm-hmm. room. Mm-hmm. Or I'm the only Native American in the room. Or I'm the only black man in the room. Yeah. I heard this quote or read this quote somewhere and it says, we're all more alike than we are different. Correct. Yeah. And and, and I agree with that. And and that's the only way I'm able to make well with the grace of God. And, and of course, 
but also because we have so much alike. Mm-hmm. So when when I get to talking or when I get to explaining things, it becomes more about you know the job at task and less about okay the only black man or the youngest one in the room mm-hmm. and and other those other things that really doesn't mean anything if you can get the job done mm-hmm. right. So and then we become you know good teammates. That's right. And and we can get past the things that looks different on the mm-hmm. surface because we have so much alike. And at the end of the day, I just want to make people feel good, right? Mm-hmm. And feel good about whatever they're doing. I try and encourage people to, you know, think about things differently because once you do that, you will see that, okay, these people are more like you mm-hmm. than not. It's mm-hmm. just they might go about it a different way. And I will tell you, Dom, like in the time, how long have you been working for the tribe? All right, so. Which now you started at Wind Creek. I started first. at gaming. So, t- Combined, I'm going into my 11th year. Okay. Right. So I didn't know you too much over at gaming. Right. Like maybe a little bit. I can't really remember. But I know that we've worked together a lot since you've been over here Correct. at Tribal Government. How many years have you been here at Tribal Government? So going into my fifth year at Tribal Government. Okay. And you know that goes so quick. It's it like, does. man, I just started. Mm-hmm. Already, it's gonna be five years uh-huh. over here, and uh, man, it's 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 been a blessing, yeah. right? But at gaming, they kept me on the move a lot, so I was, you know, I was the controller over our paramutual mm-hmm. operations. So we and what's paramutual for those who may not be? So paramutual actually be level one gaming. Um, so bingo is a game. So basically, what bingo is saying, hey, the money comes in, and you're not playing against one particular machine. You're playing against a, a house of a pool of machines in the same pool, and whoever gets that bingo card wins the game. Mm-hmm. So Paramutual is saying, "Hey, hey, the money is going into the pool, um, and you're playing against those people in the pool, but uh, the house is going to take a percentage, and then whoever wins is going to take a percentage, and the money will be divvied up that way." <laughs> so level three, you go into it, you got a machine. It's me against that one machine. Mm-hmm. Level two is you got a machine, you playing against that machine, but that machine might have a group of machines that's playing against each other, and whoever get the bingo card is going to win. And then paramutual is our money goes into a pot, house get a rate, house has nothing to do with the outcome, the the dogs in this case are run, and then... Because paramutual is more, um, that's more about the dog racing, horse racing, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so so it was interesting. It's really, it is about those things, but we was able to, you know, include poker there. So poker is also considered kind of like it goes into that paramutual world uh, because the money, you're not, basically you're not playing against the house, Mm -hmm. right? So as long as you're not playing against the house, then we was able to make an argument that that's still considered paramutual wagering, which is why uh, we also had poker rooms at these paramutual facilities. And we was also able to bring in table bait games um, because these games has a designated dealer. Um, so what happens there is, let's say you have somebody that says, hey, I want to be a dealer. So we'll say, okay, in order to be a dealer, you got to have – and, and Gretna case, it was $50,000. Mm-hmm. So you have to buy in with 50000 right? Mm-hmm. So then you become the house. Mm-hmm. So then everybody plays against you. Mm-hmm. Now, us, on the other hand, uh, uh, Porch, we take a percentage. All we're doing is taking a rake. Mm-hmm. We take our rake, much like the dog racing, it goes in. We take our rake, and then the rest of the money is paid out to whoever actually win that pot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
let's say if somebody wins fifty thousand, right? Mm-hmm. That dealer is the one losing that money, and porch is just getting a rake of that. Now let's flip that back, level three, which is your Vegas blackjack. You go there, and if somebody wins a fifty thousand, then that's that's coming out of the house. The mm-hmm. house lost just lost fifty thousand, mm-hmm. so that makes that a game. Me versus you, mm-hmm. level three. Just like that slot machine versus you, mm-hmm. level three. Um, so, uh, Paramutual is interesting, mm-hmm. and they're tr- they're kind of trying to. Uh, well, of course, they done did away with uh, dog racing in, in Florida. So, um, so now it's the horse racing, which still is Paramutual and um, poker. I didn't know they had done away with dog racing. Yeah, it's interesting because for years uh, we was trying to we um, leadership um, we was trying to get the we was trying to make an argument to decouples. Decouple just mean before you decouple, you have to have paramutual. You have to have the racing with the poker room. Mm-hmm. Decouple mean hey, we can separate them. Yeah. All right. So we had been trying to kind of lobby for that for years, and then I left out. Maybe they were just waiting for me to leave out, but uh, I left out, and it was a big thing on animal cruelty mm. is what ended up happening, mm-hmm. and um, somehow that made it to the ballot. And the people voted against it. And so it was forced to decouple at that point in time. Dog racing went away in 2020. And uh, now it's just poker rooms. Mm. It was interesting because we have a facility in Mobile, of mm-hmm. course, uh, that we 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 made a executive decision to stop racing dogs mm-hmm. because dog racing is an expensive endeavor. Mm-hmm. I was... In between properties. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I rarely was uh, at the corporate office mm-hmm. here. Um, I had a staff down in um, Gretna, uh, a staff in Pensacola, and a staff in Mobile. Mm-hmm. So for me, my managing style, I like to always stay visible. Even if I can do something remotely, if I can just pop in, check in. I like yeah. to check in. I mm-hmm. believe in checking in because... You just never know what people have going on. Yeah. And sometimes you have that conversation over the phone and it, it just don't have the same effect. Sure. Right. So then I can check in with you and ask you how you're doing. And I can, you know, I like to look at facial expressions, mm-hmm. body, you know, check your body temperature there. And if it looks like, okay, I might have said something. Hold and on, it, Dom. You checking people's body temperature? Nah, <laughs> just <laughs> metaphorically. <laughs> me- metaphorically. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, temperature here. I, I think, uh, yeah, I think something might be going on right here. Yeah. The temperature here look a little cold, so yeah. let me see what's going on. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times, you know, you, you just ask the question and people will just tell you, you mm-hmm. know. And then a lot of times, them getting that off them might just make them, make they just go that much better. Easy things like that in life, I like to take advantage of, right, because yeah. – I don't do a lot of things A plus, but if I can do a lot of little things A minus, I'm gonna make a lot of people happy. Yeah. If I can impact lives that way, I think that's what God put me here to do. So, yeah. you know, that's what I'm gonna do. Well, and that's one thing I was gonna say is in the time that I've been knowing you, you're always upbeat, you're always positive, you've always been encouraging, hey Miss Samora, how are we doing today? And you're genuine about it. And I think that's the difference is that authenticity and that genuineness. Right. And I don't know if you've always been that way or if it 
um, if or if it if that skill set for you was honed while you were at gaming, because I know that's a big part of the value system there is having genuine attentiveness, right? Right. Um, and that's not something you always see, and it's something that's not always taught in the workforce or in the workplace either. But what actually? How did you end up from Tallahassee to Porch? Man, that's a <laughs> so that's an interesting story, and I'm gonna start with the grace of God. Uh, I don't think nothing happened without you know it being in God's plan. How God aligned this is so in 2011, um, I finally passed my CPA exam. Right, I, so I was took I took a year to take the exam. I was fortunate enough where I passed every section first time. After um, I became a CPA. I'm always goal oriented, right? So I had I had things I wanted to do before I was thirty. One was a CPA. Uh, one was I wanted to be a manager, and the, the other one was I wanted to make a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So what I did was uh, as soon as I got my license, uh, November 2011, uh, I went. I was working for First American Title Insurance, which is a corporation. And, you know, I went to my boss and saw, you know, what kind of path they had for me now that, you know, I'm a CPA. And, uh, you know, it was kind of top heavy. uh, So it really wasn't much room for me to grow there. And so me and one of my team members, we was looking for another place of employment. And somehow, so I wasn't looking at Indeed, and uh, she was. So just so happened, Porch was opening up the track in Gretna. Mm-hmm. And Gretna, right Gretna is, is, is about 20 minutes west mm-hmm. of Tallahassee. So she she had a little child. She was a single parent. You know, single parents, tough on a single parent. But one of the requirements was you was going to have to work long hours. So she did the interviewing things, and I think Sam and Joe liked her, but she wasn't going to be able to make the hour commitment. So she said, hey, man, D.C., I think this might be, you know, something you should look into. Hey, I'm a fresh CPA. So I'm like, it was a controller spot. And see, a lot of times, and here's the struggle, professional struggle. It's like you get all these degrees, you get these licenses, but at the end of the day, they still want experience. I'm not going to get experience unless you give me unless you give me a job. That's give right. me a job and let me get some experience. But nonetheless, so I looked at it. It was a controller spot. I didn't have any manager experience, but I'm like, hey, whatever. God brought this to me, so I'm just going to run on faith. So I did the interview. Interview with Sam, interview with Joe, and it was me and another person. And Joe went with the experience. So he hired somebody over me, but um, he said I did a good job in the interview. So they was having a position come open in Atmore. At the time, I'm like, I don't know what Atmore is. What is Atmore? So <laughs> nonetheless, when Sam called me and said, hey, you know, you want to uh, apply for this senior accountant position, but it's in Atmore. And at the time, like, you know, of course, yeah, okay, all right, you know, we'll see. It'll be a little bit of a raise, you know, it's not, you know, financial controller, but yeah, okay. Because at the time, I was like uh, a junior accountant, so not quite a senior, but right up under that. So either way, it was going to come with a pay raise, and of course, I had this goal, I had this goal. So mm-hmm. I think at the time... Let's see, 10 years, uh, so I'm 39. So at the time, I think I was 28. Mm-hmm. So I only had two years to get there, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay. So I come up here. I interview. Joe came down for my second interview. I did a test. Boom. Got the job. Mm-hmm. I'm in there. Yeah. All right, so I'm in there. I got the job. Good. 
Now it's time for orientation. I get the orientation, <laughs> and Joe comes in and say, hey, man, uh, you know, the controller down there wasn't working out. And he came, just so happened, he came to me. Before I was able to even get into my true role, I was still so back then, you know, they had like this orientation you go through for a few days, and then you start working. So he called me while I was in orientation and said, yeah, two weeks, and then we're going to move you back down. So I'm like... Okay, all right. So, so I was only in Atmore for like uh, two weeks, well, three weeks in total, and then I left Atmore. So I ain't really get a chance to sniff it because I was staying in the hotel. I didn't have I me. Mean, after that, I moved back down to Gretna, and when I moved down there, you know, life just started moving so fast because the the operation wasn't doing as expected. Sure. You know, they had passed a referendum, but. Apparently, it was other obstacles that you you had to cross in order to get a gaming license, mm-hmm. well, a casino license there, right? So this whole time was in limbo. So of course, it was executive decision that we was gonna start trimming down. Sure. So Ryan Exum was the property manager there. Uh, so they moved him back to I think he went to Watomka. Uh, they moved him back there, and then what do you know? I came down as a finance controller, and then I ended up being the general manager and financial <laughs> controller. I did not like, know that, dog. Yeah, so so that. when they moved him down, you know, Jay and, and Brent came down and had a conversation with me and said, hey, what do you think about running the operation? And, you know, the biggest thing, it isn't the numbers. Yeah. It isn't the projections trying to figure out when is the best time. It's the people. Mm-hmm. What education don't teach you is... How to deal with the people. Well, well, managing people is an art form. That's that's art. Yes. And and, and I think you have to put time into this. Mm -hmm. This don't just come. Mm -hmm. That's why you have good managers and you have managers that, uh, (laughs) right? Because they don't put time in it. But for me, for me, and you ask me where it come from is... You know, my grandma, so many people in my life was just so patient with me. Mm-hmm. When I wanted to go off to the wrong path, they was just patient. And they just said, they just showed me so much love. And I just felt like I was just so blessed because I had friends dying, going to jail. And for some reason, God just kept me living. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it got to be a greater passion. It got to be something greater for me, right? So I'm like, why in the world would I wake up mad or anything like that? Uh, why wouldn't I cherish each day when God done thought enough of me to keep me in the number mm-hmm. and also on the right path, yeah. right? So uh, so I was property manager there for, let's say, six months. So then they said, hey, you know, we could get somebody to run a property. I know you the financial guy. How about being the controller for all three pair of mutuals? We want to consolidate. We want we want to centralize accounting, and we we thank you the best person for it. I'm like, well, why not? <laughs> okay, so now you got to move back to Atmore. So man, my life was moving so fast in 2012. I started in Atmore. Went to, by the way, I got married in 2012. And then, by the way, we was pregnant in 2012. So Ooh. we, so like life was just moving, but it yeah. was like it was so much of a blessing mm-hmm. because I'm like, man, I almost missed out. I, I owe so much. My coworker, I tell her all the time. I think I know I owe it to God, but God somehow put it in her to cross paths with the Poetry Creek Indians that I'm so much alike. And my wife, 
my wife get on me sometimes because she say, oh, you think you travel. <laughs> and I say, and I know she's saying it jokingly, but I, I relate so much, man, outside of the tribal number, which mm-hmm. I'm still waiting on that. I don't put in my application. <laughs> I don't put in my application for that. They haven't sent me a denial yet, so I think the verdict is still out. So if you listen to me, Miss Lori, a role, man, pull my application, Dominic Cromartie. But nonetheless, outside of that, I'm serious. Man, I just, I just, I just relate so much, and I'm like, you know, my my next goal after a hundred thousand was I want to be CFO. You know, some people say, man, why you ain't open up your own firm? And I never really had a desire to start my own business. Right. I want to be CFO, right? Mm-hmm. So it. It's opportunities that surface for mm-hmm. a CFO, right? Mm-hmm. And I look at it, I think I qualify. But the hardest thing is like, man, am I going to find another company like the Porch Creek Indians that I really feel the attachment to? They care about family as much as I care about family. Their history is much like my history. And I just meet so many good people. Tim is a, is a great person, a great leader for me. So nonetheless... I made it back here, and I've been rocking and rolling since. It was tough leaving gaming and that, you know, and that. But now that I done had two additional kids since I've been over here, life at gaming, especially when I was a GM, it was you go home, but you might get a call. Mm-hmm. Something might be going on in the money room that they need my input on. Mm-hmm. When I was a GM, something might be going on in the whole operation yeah. that they need my input on. We had alarms to go off at night. You got to go up. So it's uneasy. Yeah. You appreciate what you're doing, but you know that any point in time, a call can come in that you need to address. And it's tough on your marriage, especially if you have a wife that wants that attention. Yeah. It's tough when your spouse wants attention, but you know that sometimes you don't have to put that aside because you have work. Well, because you can never fully be present, right? You because can never fully be present. Because you are constantly on call constantly you know and there's nobody really there to be your backup it's you you're the guy you're making the call you're the person you're making it and so you know that even when you're supposed to be at home sleeping it's like there's a little uneasiness because mm-hmm. you're like oh is that phone about to ring Correct. don't let me sleep too hard because i might miss it and i don't, I and I don't want to miss it and i don't want to miss it because me growing up as a black man i felt like it was less mistakes i can make mm. So it's less times I can be unpresent and then not be judged for it. Yeah. So anytime I'm engaged, I want to be engaged. When I'm come for a meeting, I'm going to be prepared. Mm-hmm. I don't want to miss nothing because yeah. I always live. And I live, even though I've been doing this for years, 10 years I've been here, mm-hmm. I still live like I don't want to make that mistake where somebody going to judge me. Well, it sounds to me like you don't take it for granted, Don. No, nothing. Not not, not one thing in life. I love life too much to take not one thing for granted. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like in doing that, you kind of come short at home. Mm-hmm. You kind of come short. So I, it's that's, the, that's a tough thing to balance, sure. right? Because not wanting to take nothing for granted means that something's going to probably end up getting taken for granted, mm-hmm. right? And that something is probably going to be something you feel like, hey, they're not going anywhere, right? This sure. is family, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to take anything for granted, maybe I might leave a little bit at home. and it, it, it's That's a challenge. It is. But 
what I can say about my first day, my first weekend here. It was funny because I go from games. So on the weekends, you get a million emails, mm-hmm. right? You get things going, this going on. You getting these reports. You need to look at this. This accident report. This happened. And I just remember my first weekend here. And I always was a take my laptop home guy mm-hmm. because who knows? I done been on vacation and Brent done called me. Hey, Dom. I need this real quick. So I got to go get my laptop. Hold on, Brent. Hold on, Joe. Let me get my laptop yeah. and get it out. Yeah. And in the beginning, your wife is understanding. But as it gets, you five. <laughs> Man, put that laptop up, boy. You ain't bringing that laptop. <laughs> I say, but it's Brent and Joe, baby. I got to do it. Yeah. So nonetheless, that first weekend here, I pop my laptop out like I normally do. Open it up. I'm like, it's no emails. <laughs> Did I miss something? Hold on. What's going on? You ain't miss nothing. Oh, man. okay. So at five o'clock, that's it. Yeah. Ain't nothing going on. Yeah. And that was so like, in the beginning, it was like, man, uneasy. Because mm-hmm. what I'm going to do, because my brain stays on. Mm-hmm. I'm always thinking about how can I get better? Uh, how did I make that wrong decision? How can I do it better? What do I need to do to be a better person? Mm -hmm. I'm always constantly thinking about that. And work helps you do it. Mm -hmm. Because somebody sent an email. Hey, Dom, you forgot to send me this. Oh, man, what was I doing then? Okay, let me send it to you. I got you. Oh, Dom, this. this. So it's always, oh, we was down 20%. Okay, what do we need to do? This is what we're going to talk about. So it's always on. And then, so it was uneasy in the beginning. But then it became refreshing. Mm -hmm. Because, man... I can really just worry about my family on the weekend. Mm-hmm. I really, man, this is cool, man. Mm-hmm. I really don't have to worry about getting these calls. Yeah. You miss you miss them sometimes because it's like, man, am I really involved? Am I helping the people? Because I'm not getting weekend calls. But then I realized it's okay to be present with the family, right? So we just had a baby, and I was able to take off six weeks. And it's like, it's no way. So compare and contrast, <laughs> I had my first child with gaming, right? I took off a week. Mm-hmm. And I was getting called on that week. It was so funny. <laughs> I was so committed to work. Again, I feel like I can't I can't get nothing wrong. When her water broke, we was in Penn- So we don't have all our babies in Tallahassee. Uh-huh. Even though we've been staying here. I wish all our doctors still in Tallahassee. It's weird because my wife from Tallahassee. So I felt like if I was going to move her here then I need to at least give her something. Mm-hmm. She wanted to do all that. So, okay. So, the first thing I did, now mind you, her water broke wind pins cold, so it was a three-hour drive. Mm-hmm. First thing I did was, man, I got to pack up my work clothes. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. It was funny because we were just having that conversation this morning going down Nostalgia Lane. Uh-huh. And uh, I was like, man, yeah, I remember because she – I was watching a basketball game. Cause she ain't forgot war- about that. Oh nah, she ain't forgot. That's the <laughs> first she thing she said. Forget That's about. the first thing she said. Oh yeah, and you had to pack your work clothes <laughs> like, because it's always like. And I try and explain to her, I can't miss nothing. And maybe that's not even the pressure that the re- the reality is, right? Maybe I'm putting that pressure on myself. Mm-hmm. But it's it's no that's the expectations I put on myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, even though I'm about to have this baby. I got to be present. So I might have to go in. I might need to go work. So I'm like, man, that was so funny. But yeah, so I worked. I was off a week, back to work, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So then fast forward it. 
my second child I had here, I took off four weeks. My wife said, yeah, you know, four weeks was good, but, you know, I'm still trying to move around. So I said, oh, sure, you know. So let me take off until the doctor clear you to go back, mm-hmm. you know. And the good Lord, because I work for a company like this, I was able to take six weeks off, no problem, mm-hmm. right? So things like that, it's like those hidden things that, man, you can't beat. You yeah. can't beat, man. And it, and I felt like I was so helpful. I yeah. felt like, you know, this was our third child. And it seemed like that third child is like, it's a big one. You know, it just seemed like, you know, she was older. So you had to go through that. So it was by far the worst pregnancy that yeah. she done had. So then you got two other kids, a nine and a three-year-old that needs inten- attention still. You mm-hmm. got to feed them. And damn, you got this beautiful bundle of joy. So it's like I was able to actually help. And mm-hmm. I felt like I was, you know, I was worried. Yeah, yeah, I felt good. Yeah. I'm like, man, I can get I can get I can get used to this, yeah. right? So yeah, it was good. So how do you contribute to porch in your assistant CFO role? Uh, so I, I pretty much just support uh the chief uh, Tim Speaker, the chief financial officer. Um if it's reports that's needed, my biggest job is, you know, managing the budget, um, overseeing that, um, overseeing the day-to-day, making sure bills are paid, uh, making sure vendors are happy, um, making sure um, department heads, making sure I can assist them in their needs. If they need uh, additional funding for something, I can, you know, make that pitch to the CFO. I can be the liaison financially between, you know, your your division directors and the CFO, hopefully then we take it to, if we need to go to chief of staff, we can go to chief of staff. Or if it's something that just needs to go straight to council, uh, we can go to council. Um, much like the uh, the, the auction. We mm-hmm. put on an auction. We develop a policy there. I can work with the, the division directors to get things in line. And then in this case, we wouldn't have to go to chief of staff. We go straight to council to discuss those type of things. So me, I'm like, uh, I'm just handling the the grind, yeah. the grind, the grind of the tribe, the little things that keep the tribe moving forward on a day to day basis, and you know if we need financial reports to project, you know what we need to do uh, from a budget perspective, I'm I'm here for that. Yeah. Um. So that's what I do, and you know I love it, and more importantly, you know I manage individuals and and that's important to me because like I say everybody is different and the challenge is just uh it's refreshing. It's mm-hmm. refreshing to know that uh you know I make an impact in anybody's life. And you do. Excuse me. You've you've definitely been an asset here. Um, I feel like I, you have and I mean I've seen such great things um that have come out of your presence here, and I want you to know that from somebody that's kind of on the sidelines, not working directly with you every day, yeah. you do make a positive difference here. What do you think in the five years or so that you've been here, what do you think has been your proudest moment? Oh, man. <laughs> so I'm No gonna... COVID stuff, though. No oh, COVID nah, stuff. I mean, <laughs> I, I, but talking about COVID, seriously, it was proud to know, you know, that hit – um and we still had a budget to get ready for right mm-hmm. and you know we was in the middle of 2020 uh we had to get ready for 2021 budget and it was it felt good to know that we also um we was rolling out man we had a couple things was working on we was working on a new lease software um that we was able to get rolled out and also we completed a 54 million dollar budget 
you know, doing COVID. And and we didn't miss anything. All the T's was crossed. All the I's was dotted. And, you know, that that was a, a proud moment there. You know, just speaking of COVID, co- I don't think COVID was all bad. It was bad from a, a perspective of we lost lives. Sure. Um, so once we get past that, but I think we, we got a lot of good things accomplished during COVID. But I think my proudest moment, man, that's interesting because I don't have two kids, right? So personally, it's going to definitely be able to, you know, me being able to share those moments with, with my wife, uh, Kimberly, and, and, and our two kids since I've been here. Uh, but I think from a professional perspective, Man, I, I don't know, man. We, we done did a lot of good things. Um, you know, we done got workplace rolled out. Uh, we done got Concur rolled out under under my presence. Uh, lease, lease software we got rolled out. So it's so many proud moments. And, and each moment, you know, we had so many obstacles. And, and the biggest thing is, you know, I think the proudest would just be able to get department heads to buy in. Sure. I just I just think that buy-in is just so big regardless of, of, of what we have coming. The ability to be able to get leaders to buy in and be open-minded to what we have. Because, you know, the tribe been doing things X ways for X amount of years, way before Dom got here, right? Mm-hmm. So to be able to get in front of council, to pitch a good idea, and to be able to get in front of directors to tell them that this idea is coming – and to be able to execute that and then be able to sit back and be like, man, that's really working out how I like it. Or to, man, we could have tweaked this. We could have tweaked that. So, okay, let me, you know, let me go in and see how we can tweak that to better fit you guys. I think the satisfaction I get from the buy-in and, and, and people, you know, gaining trust in me is probably my, my, my fundest moment. And I, I, I can't really pinpoint point one because all of them contribute to just one satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I would have to just stay with that. You know, the buy-in, uh, the buy-in I get from council, that makes me feel good. That council, you know, trust me uh, to do what I do best. And um, the relationships I done built, those, those are very impactful for me as well. Uh, especially with with me and Tim, you know, coming in, you just don't know how that relationship gonna be because sure. you know it's an age gap there, and you know Tim been doing it for X years, I've been doing it this, and you just don't know how that is gonna work out. Mm-hmm. But man, that's really been you know the relationship I built with him and the trust I done gained um, from him has also just been so so impactful, and I think it's gonna benefit me. You know, when I become, I know I'm going to become a CFO at some point. And I just think those um, those little things that I gained from him and the relationships I done made is by far probably going to be the most impactful thing for me professionally. I have a bonus question. All right. What you got? How in the world did your wife potty train your kids so quickly? You know, it's... So it comes down to you better take notes. I know. So I'm listening. What it comes down to is that in the in our community, you don't want to spend so much money on these pampers and diapers, right? Oh yeah. So when you have that as your guiding force, okay, I want to spend less money. That's if that's your guiding force. So that's the goal. So what we do is as soon as they start saying they want a party. 
Um, my wife put them on pampers. I mean, put them on drawers. Those little big knitted ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And put them in the bed. And then periodically take them to the bathroom. Put them in the bed. Take them to the bath. So it's a lot. Man, my wife is so amazing. And these, I don't know what God give the women, but God give women so much strength and mm-hmm. power. And they can just overcome anything because she literally don't sleep. She put them in the bedroom. Okay, okay, two, three hours. Let me take them to the bathroom. Put them in the bedroom. Take them to the bathroom. Then third. Literally just every two hours, like she 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 on top she on top of them. And so my wife my wife stays at home as well. She is still a superhero. Yeah, so it's it's, I think she's more of a superhero because she does stay at home. She doesn't get a break. Not not only does she does that does she do that, but she we homeschool my daughter. Oh my God. So she a, she a teacher as well, and yeah, then and, yeah, and so so yeah, and then she's trying to be my wife, and I put her through all these <laughs> other things. But with the potty training, she do it so naturally. I just I, I I had never seen it. And next thing you know, kids potty train. My son sleeping overnight. I tell people my son was potty trained at one, right? So then at one at one year old. Yes, yeah, that's what Shelly was telling me. That's why I asked. At one, his wife is a superhero. At one. Like oh. 12, 13 months, you out of pampers, you going. And he barely had any, you know, accidents. My yeah. daughter, my daughter was a little slower. My wife always said boys are a little faster when it comes to potty training. So I think my daughter was like maybe 14, 15 months, but she was still one. Wow. Right? So then you have coworkers. I had coworkers that said, Oh yeah, I think I'm gonna try the potty train. And they child was three. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, you know how much money you've been spending on pull-ups? And uh, so my wife like, no, 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 no. We're going to spend less money. I'm like, okay, you want to save money? That's, I'm down I'm for it. <laughs> so, yeah, she's just a super mom. Facts. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> but it takes, uh, again, she stays home, though. Yeah. So I, I don't know how effective this would have been if the Lord wouldn't have gave us the resources to allow her to stay home. Because oh, yeah. the daycare is not going to take. No, they're mm-hmm. not going to do the that. The daycare ain't about to do that. Put, oh, you better put, put that baby on, on some pull-up. Because yes. I ain't about to be checking every two hours uh-uh. if his baby need to go. Yeah. So then my son just start. I need to go to the party. I need to go to the party. I need to go to the party. You know? Okay. All right, boy. Come on. Come on, boy. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh it's been an experience there. But uh, our, our last child, which we named Azula, uh, it's gonna be inter- yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see uh, if she can keep the magic going. What are, What are all Have your faith. children's names? All right, so my oldest child, <laughs> who she just turned seventeen, she'll sing it this year. So her name is Dominique. My second you had to name a kid after you. you was oh no, I get, get, no, it gets better. <laughs> my second child is Dominic. She's a junior. Uh-uh. My second child name is Dominic. She's a junior. So that was the first child my wife and I had. And we said if we had a girl was going to name after me, we had a boy was going to name after her. Uh, so we just believe in difference. Like, mm-hmm. like things don't have to be status quo, right? Mm-hmm. Because society says something is a male name, we can make a name what we want it to make, mm-hmm. right? So we named my child junior, which now I don't – she, she's nine now. And I, I don't know. She likes Junior, mm-hmm. but she don't really like Dominic. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Because that's your name. <laughs> Antonio. 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 Yeah. So she's Dominic Antonio Cromartie Junior. 
So, okay. So we call her Junior. Okay. Because she is a junior, <laughs> but I don't really know if she like Dominic. The verdict is still like she be joking with. I think she be just pulling my plug, but she be joking with me that, hey, dad, I need to change my name. I don't like Dominic, but I want to keep Junior. I'm like, hey, you can't, you can't. <laughs> if you change the first name, you're not going to be Junior. So my son's name is Kim. Name after his mom, Kimberly. Mm-hmm. And um, What's his middle name though? Did you follow uh, the Osh- name route? Nah, she nah, she had some dear. Her, her, so his name is O'Shea. Oh. Kim O'Shea. Kim O'Shea Cromarty. And then um my youngest daughter is Zula. Zula O'Shea Cromarty. So they names kind of play off each other a little bit. Cool. Yeah, so it's uh it's uh it's interesting how we did the names. Now I was hoping that I might get me another Dominic or Dom. You know, when once we found out we had a girl, I was you hoping something. I know that's what they said, but I was hoping. But you know, for me, I'm like, okay. People say, man, what you think? Man, I'm not gonna fuss with my wife on these little things. Uh-uh. If whatever she want to name that baby, we just name the baby that. I'm gonna have other fights to pick, so it's not gonna be on the name. You know what I'm saying? You got to pick and choose your battles when you're married. You got to pick and choose them. <laughs> we man. cannot start. Which, I mean, we've still got, you know, we're not, we're. You got time. We got time. We got, you know, about four and a half. We, I mean, we still got time. Let me tell you something interesting. We left the hospital with no name. Okay. And we didn't get a name until we just got her social security card last month. Really? At four months. How? how At four how? months. Hey, I said, you, man, you me talking about us doing it the hard way? No, let me tell you something that's cool about that, Dom, and I bet, I bet you don't even know this. What? In Creek culture, you don't name a child until they're four months old. Really? I knew you was tribal. I told you. Where the number? Where that number at, man? Enrollment? I told you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to A Place Called Porch. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can visit our website, porchcreekindians.org, for more information, or you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram.